0: I'm Critter. I'm Jace. And we should be working. working. God damn it! It's one, two, (laughs) say it. All right. I'm Critter. I'm
1: Jace. And And we should should be working. working. I fucking hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) So we should probably introduce Mike, right? Uh, should we? There's two mics at the moment.
2: Are there? I don't know. I've dropped I'm, Mikey W a few yeah. times on the podcast. Mikey Dub. Like, oh shit. I feel Mikey like Dub. I'm, I'm already pretty let's popular uh, on this podcast. Well this
1: is this is this is the voice to the name then. Yeah. He gets oh, punched yeah, in
2: the face everybody. and
0: doesn't hit back.
2: Yep.
0: Nope. Alright, let's do it. Let's do it professional right, and then we'll splice too. it in to the beginning. You ready? <clears throat> Go ahead, Jace. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we're doing the intro, man. What's the intro? Welcome to Go ahead. You're doing so bad. What? <laughs> Welcome to
2: <laughs> What's happening? We should be working. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, there you to go. Today we are joined by it, do I say? Do <laughs> do I, do it. <laughs> this is great.
0: Uh, oh man all right
2: i think uh, we're good i'm so Mike Mike. I'm a project manager i work jobs i've worked with both of these guys as well and uh, i was
0: <laughs> today, I, I was gonna
2: message here.
1: you i was gonna message you and be like I, I didn't even know you still worked here or say something about like <laughs> i didn't know you were a project manager at phase two because we just never worked together and then you reminded me that we did do like a little stint where we did do some work together
2: yeah, but I was I like I said I was so green and intimidated by everyone around me that I was just trying not to look like a goofball or an idiot. So I didn't even interact with you that much because I was probably intimidated by you. I said the same thing about Critter well, when we first worked together. I was just like, I don't know, this guy seems really confident, like he knows what he's doing. so I am I'm just very intimidating. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, he's the yeah, worst.
1: Yeah, but but yeah, I mean the, I mean that project I was still doing full time on another project and was just helping out with overtime on. On those little one-offs that you guys were doing, so I mean, like, there, there wouldn't have been much interaction anyway. But th- it's funny that that's one our one little
2: interaction aside from like the people peopleware meetings until this. All right, what has this podcast done for you guys? Like, you've, you've, you're have you in what, like twenty? You're, you're pushing twenty-five episodes or something? Yeah, like this that? is twenty-two right here. How's it impacted you? Like in your lives well, doing this? This is a
1: twenty-second total. We might reorder them in releasing now that we're doing two
0: week ish. Might we? Oh, wow. Maybe. I feel like you just made a decision without consulting me, and I'm very wow, upset man. by this.
2: <laughs> I feel awkward that I'm even here. Yeah. You know?
0: All right. No, Why? shut up for You're a second. You're part of this Shut man. up for a second because we need to give Mike a real intro. Mike. Hi, can Mike. We say, can we say your full name? Yeah. Can we spell it? We have,
2: it? like, several times. Can you spell it? Yeah, if you want. Can we, can we I don't just know. Print can you, Michael? Do you have any know. plugs? He... Do I have any plugs? Oh, God. Um, yeah, we got
0: to do this pro mode.
2: I mean, not really. Like, I could kind of call out the Werewolves podcast, but, like, we only have two episodes and a third one that we're working on right now. Do you so, have, like, a Twitter or anything? Like a lot. Uh, I have an Instagram a werewolves where Werewolves t- take Twitter weird
0: pictures. <laughs> you want to you wanna tell our 30 fans about that?
1: That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Plus 29 fans, right? Because one of them's here? Yeah, one of them's me.
0: Uh, mm, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to see how many fans we have today. Today, our estimated audience is forty. Ooh, forty fans, baby! Oh snap! Wowza!
2: Yeah, I mean, all right. so I'll just try a couple. Let me just rant it. Let me just. So wait, wait, wait. Now, should I? I'm gonna. I'm, gonna, introduce get myself or I'm you gonna get started. I'm gonna get started. Me and I, yeah. Okay. All right
0: all right. all right. all right. We are joined by Mike White. That's W-I-G-H-T. Uh, we have both worked with Mike for years, and today is his last day at the company, right? Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. So what you got?
2: Sad times. What do I got? Yeah, plug us. (laughs) All right, plugs. So, I mean, if you want to find me on the internet, like I am on LinkedIn at slash Mike White, and uh, I have a website, white.inc again, spelled like my last name, W-I-G-H-T dot I-N-K, where I blog a little bit. Mostly it's like a parody of Critter's blog, so I don't really blog unless Critter's doing something that I want to respond to using like a haiku and uh i linked to some other stuff there including my instagram which would be slash white mike not mike white where uh as a hobby i like to take pictures of animals which is mostly birds right now and i think that's it that's that's my internet presence for the most part
0: i have a i have a cron task that every hour on the hour it a robot voice says drink some freaking water you dehydrated idiot And I specifically made it really long and annoying to force me to drink water, and it just popped up in my ear and freaked me out a little bit. But now I have to drink water.
2: (laughs) Did you idiot create that yourself, or did you like download it from somebody?
0: I'm like a real-life programmer.
2: (laughs) Used to be, at least.
0: I still got my chops, homie. Doubtful. All right. Highly doubtful. The best thing to do on a podcast is to do a a glasses comparison that nobody can see. So I'm going to do that real quick. All right. Look at me. Look at my eyes. Mike. See these? All right.
2: Yep. Um, Which ones? I think the second ones are like a little, a little closer to Harry Potter on the glasses spectrum. Uh-huh. But Is that good? I, I maybe. I mean, I kind of like them. Go back again. All right. Go back. Do I think? don't know. See, when you posted the pictures, I I liked the second ones, but now seeing you here face to face, these are better. I right? I kind of like these. They look more like you or something. Yeah. Know. Told <laughs> you,
0: I win. You didn't say it. You said the other ones. No, I didn't. You I told you to switch it to the ones you're wearing right now. Freaking liar. I don't believe anything you say. Well, yeah, thankfully, the, that part was recorded. Stick with these. these are the winners. But, all right. Hold on. You might just need to get used to them. I'm going to wear the other ones for half an hour and see if it... Your see. eyes
1: are just close together, beady and shady looking anyway. It doesn't matter. They
0: are beady. If I ever look at myself without glasses on, it's just oh, like... what a weirdo. Yeah. They're, they're so <laughs> tiny, they <laughs>
2: well i thought when you put on the second ones now that you mention it i feel like they look a little too small it looks like you're like all right here's me with my glasses and now here's me with my son's glasses <laughs> <And> that... <laughs> you mean you mean these ones these are the small yeah ones? yeah they looks they look like the lenses are closer together or something
0: oh ones. does it make me look like it's my eyeballs the frame are closer is weaker.
2: it makes it look like your head is pushing out on the ear things you know like it looks like they're Too close. It might be,
0: yeah. Maybe these will just be my backups.
2: You're just keeping both pairs. Yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do with old glasses? Just throw them away. They're still functional, right?
0: Well, my wife bought two new pairs, is what he's saying. At the same time, two different pairs. So that's what I'm
2: saying. Because the ones you were just wearing a second ago were the ones that they're they're still new as well, right? mm -hmm. Yeah, they're both new. I was gonna say, okay.
0: Yeah. I can see you a tiny bit more clearly than I could have yesterday. (laughs) You're the worst anyway Especially
2: never worn glasses or contacts
0: you yeah. just have good vision same
2: yep 2020 buddy
0: have you when's the last time you got your vision checked
2: oh god um i don't know maybe like a, a year ish ago oh yeah, probably more more than that actually i was still living in florida the last time so it, it's been over two years okay but but i see everything like really clearly. i can read pretty small letters from decently far away and i mean i'm sure it's not as good as it was when i was a teenager or whatever but it's still good enough that it hasn't hindered a single thing like i never really catch myself squinting trying to read a thing or whatever oh
0: man but like you okay see that's what i thought about myself and then my wife forced me to go try out glasses and suddenly it was just like a whole world opened up that i didn't know existed like oh seeing, yeah seeing <laughs> well, like your eyes of grass get used for the to the first time
1: your eyes get used to like compensating right is what ends up happening yeah and then for as you get older your eyes stop compensating and they're like oh i need glasses but then you needed glasses like 10 years ago not not now that you notice that you need glasses yeah
0: yeah that, I, that's I, one
1: of the things yeah
0: i remember walking outside and i could see like every leaf on a tree that was you know across the field or something and it just blew my freaking mind i didn't even know that that was you know that's just how people's eyes work and i was just a weird one
2: <laughs> Well, man, now you got me wanting to go get my eyes checked. I wonder if there are things <laughs> that I'm missing out on. Or ju- or like I said, I don't squint. Like, what if I am squinting and I just don't really, like, that's how my face is now. I'm just so used to perpetually kind of having a... a that's just well, your that's, work face. That's yeah. how
0: Jason's face is. We talked about this last time because he uh, he never wore sunglasses and he grew up in Hawaii. Now his face yeah. is perpetually <laughs> grumpy. I mean,
1: that, that's one of the reasons why I have deep creases in my forehead and brow. But yeah. What
0: are the other reasons? Have you been cut by a very precise knife? No, not cut, no. Not cut? Okay, go on.
1: What? No, just just random shit. (laughs) Making faces!
0: Everything you say makes this more interesting
2: for me.
1: (laughs) You just make faces as kids and stuff. I mean, that all contributes to it, right? (laughs) And, like, even just fighting and stuff. All of it. All of it contributes to the creases in your brow and forehead. Especially as a
0: teen growing up. I didn't make faces or fight growing up, so I wouldn't know. You never left the house. Have you ever been in a like an actual fist fight, Mike?
2: So I've I've been punched before on a couple occasions. Um, I've never punched back, so I don't know if that counts as a fist fight. Good on know, you. I don't know if just taking a punch is. I mean, in one scenario, I think I was more afraid, and in the second scenario. Well, no, I was still a little afraid. Like, you definitely would have destroyed me if I tried to, like, turn it into a real fight. But uh, I don't know. I I think it it's become a principle based on... It's like, I didn't have the principle going into it. But in retrospect, I'm like, you shouldn't hit people back because it makes you the bigger person in the end. And it uh-huh. worked out pretty well for me in both scenarios. Not not fighting back. So you It's not like you... I laid down and just got beat up or whatever. I just, like, <laughs> took a punch and was like, man the hell man you know you <laughs> didn't do the uh, <laughs> you,
1: you didn't do the dazed and confused move where you just like y'all amped up and throw one punch and then curl up until somebody breaks it up
2: i mean if you want the story i'll give you the quick story on the second I wanna, one I, wanna, I was it. i was an adult the second time the first time was like a bullying case in middle school but the second time i was in college and I was at a party and I don't remember exactly the year or whatever, but I remember that FSU was in the college basketball championship. So you could probably look up the night it happened based on that. Uh huh. And and um, <clears throat> there was somebody in the room who we all went to UCF in Orlando, but this guy was really into FSU, I guess, like came from an FSU family. And so we're at this party. The game's on the TV. I'm laying down in front of the TV. So, like, I'm watching the game. Like, I'm into it, too. But this guy is standing, pacing back and forth, like, making a big deal out of every play. And it's, like, the last maybe 20 seconds of the game. And he keeps yelling backward at the party, telling everyone to shut the fuck up so that he can hear the game. And he kept going like, shut up, shut up. There's 20, 20- shut up. And it's a, it's like a party, you know? And like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm laying on the ground. I kind of look back behind me at him and, I, and he goes, seriously. And so I go, seriously, everybody <laughs> shut up. I'm trying to do the game. And he looked down at me and then straddled me and goes, are you fucking serious? And I just looked at him and I was like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> and he punched me in the face. Like as I was laying that, on the ground, that's awesome. Yeah, so he split he split my ear a little bit, and I because oh. like I felt my head where he punched me, and I saw blood, and I was like, oh shit! And I went to the bathroom, and I'm looking at my ear, and I'm like, ah, oh, geez, that sucks. And there were a couple, you know, a couple ladies kind of strolled in there, and they're like, oh my god, are you okay? Like this was so great, you know. So I'm feeling all cool at the moment, and then he comes into the bathroom, and he's like, bro, just, just fucking hit me, man. Just give it to me, man. Like I'm, I feel like an asshole, dude. Just punch me, bro. And I was like, nah, man. Like just get out of here dude just leave me alone man like that was fucked up and you know i had the high ground for kind of the rest of the evening yeah um for sure yeah but i definitely but but in retrospect i also like had it coming like if you believe at all right. in using yes, physical violence to solve problems that's when you have it coming like
1: oh i would have hit you on the first one <laughs>
2: right <laughs> if, if we we're if we we're at a party and somebody's like it's fuck you yeah yeah <laughs> I yeah. I had that coming.
0: Mocking the guy right who's now. straddling you and screaming at you is it's a bold move, man. <laughs> and,
2: and he I was mean, like, yeah,
1: kudos to
0: you for having that in you.
2: It wasn't. He was the type that punches people. You know, like you could tell. It's not like I oh, was, so he was surprised. Like Jace. I don't know. I mean, worse, used to be. I so. used to be like that. I, I take it back. If Jace hit me right now with what I know about Jace right now, I'd be like, what the hell? Maybe not after listening to your last <laughs> few episodes. I'd probably be less surprised. But this guy, like... No one was surprised. Everyone was more surprised that I would even try to say anything that would tick the dude off.
0: Yeah. Did you like, were you, was it a conscious decision to mock this dude or just come out? Yeah. I I was
2: in college, man. I was probably on all sorts of different stuff. inebriating my, my decisions or whatever. That makes it so much better. Yeah. But I just have like an antagonistic personality and when I get what's coming to me for it, I accept it. (laughs) That's That's the important part though, right?
1: It's, 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 you're, taking, you're taking
2: responsibility for for your
1: actions as well as taking the high ground and making other people feel sorry for theirs yeah
2: you know just doing what's best for everybody
0: I feel like I have a very similar go. story to your you said you had like a middle school bullying random punch story I have mm-hmm. one I was walking down the hall in school and like there were people everywhere it was like in between classes and this dude that was walking by me just like punched me at, with no warning I didn't even know the guy he just punched me and then just kept walking and I was just like did that really just happen? Like looking around at like, what? <laughs> and it was the weirdest thing. And I still I still don't even know like what the situation was or anything.
2: That's so similar to my story that I'll just share it anyway, which is like, I was, I, I lived really close to the middle school that I went to. So I was walked home from school and some kid came up behind me again, kid I never met. I knew him like by name, but he was in a great, I was in sixth grade. He was in seventh grade and he rode up on his bike, jumped off of his bike, grabbed my backpack and threw it over my head, which like it was full of stuff. So I like fell like kind of to the ground and then he just punched me in the side of the head and was like that's for fucking with my bike and i was like what <laughs> what like i it was like he was like getting revenge but for something i had so i don't know if it like is something that actually like someone really screwed with his bike and someone maybe pointed me out as like some rando like walking by or if he was just making it up as a reason to bully somebody i don't know but that (laughs) that was that and some like dad driving by you know this is like a super residential area so some dude driving by like pulled over was like hey you guys knock it off and you know like got broken up really quickly and the kid just kind of took off on his bike but there was some drama after it and stuff like at school we kind of i was kind of afraid of the kid for a little while after that because it's like this like this psychopath (laughs) like what the hell man uh but it didn't really turn into anything after there was no other further physical altercation beyond that
0: that's pretty great both of your random punch stories are just top notch i love them thanks man a plus i wish i had some (laughs) more
2: i like to think there's some like deeper virtue to like being the guy who can take a punch like the world needs people who can take a punch you know yeah from my (laughs) story that's just me wanting to build myself up in retrospect. well i mean that's a
0: that's a healthier reaction than i've just considered myself a wuss for like the past 25 years after i got punched randomly in middle school and didn't do anything about it
2: you're the tough one (laughs) nice
0: (laughs) yeah all right so you Mm -hmm. asked what we get out of the podcast i don't know have we gotten anything out of the podcast outside of just some giggles has it changed your life in any way for me
1: i mean i'm more confident in my own opinions now especially around work topics and stuff like that i mean as as abrasive as they can be and stuff is i'm not like alone, or I'm not
0: as crazy as I was. I made myself think I was for having those thoughts. You mean be- like yelling at me about things has made you more confident about them? Yeah,
1: yelling how stupid your brain is, and I don't understand how you're employed, and mm. other people
0: agreeing with that was it's very empowering. <laughs> well, good for you, I guess. I don't know, man. I got nothing. It's just been fun for me. No, I mean it's
1: therapeutic in general, right? Just that we have a place to like vent and stuff, and give each other shit. And I think it's, I think it's fun for me to like expose this type of relationship, especially work relationship that I have to the public because it's usually very private and only happens in like back channels or one on ones and stuff like that. And then on like a wider scale, is people are more like cautious about it or don't know how to think about it.
2: Cautious about what?
1: Uh, about how they broach talking about my humor or like our humor together and stuff. Like it's it just caused like, you know, awkward moments at work like P2Cons and stuff where people will come up like, I saw that thing where Critter posted all the things that uh, he hates about you. How 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 does that make you feel? <laughs> and then I, I would just laugh. I'm just like, that's great. I love it. He, I've known that list. I've I purposely added to that list. I was like, hey, you should put this one on the list.
2: You guys have a really fun relationship. I mean, yeah, and you're fun. so different. Like, you guys are super different, right. but it seems like it's meant to be, like, with how different you are and in, in you're done Like, I don't know if I've ever even heard Critter cuss, like, once, ever. I don't. I'm like, he, he like, hasn't. Yeah. The, the yeah. entire
1: time that I've known Critter, he hasn't cursed, like, even in person and stuff. Even when like, he's
0: pissed off at his kids, like, never once. Oh yeah, especially none of my kids. Yeah, and uh, in middle school I used to all the time, and then I remember a specific moment freshman year of high school, I was just like, eh, I'm kind of done with that. Seems stupid, and I just, just stopped, and I haven't since then. I got a, I got a streak going now. That was 20 years ago. That's a, but, but, it's but,
2: but it's not like you. You're not like offended by others, right? So it's like Jace can come at like fuck no. you for this, and I hate you for that, and you just crack up laughing. Like it's the best.
1: I, I call him in the uh, dumbass in the last one. I think,
2: right?
1: So, yeah, probably like a dumb motherfucker or
0: something, something like that. The last one that hasn't been released. I'm yet actually angry. Yeah, the, the best Jace rant of all time, man. I was dying laughing. <laughs> it's there's pretty good one. There's something so satisfying about just getting him really riled up, and and you, Jace, you get riled up in a way that not many people can. <laughs> like, you get riled up, but you're still coherently making insults. You know, and they're just they're so funny yeah. that combination.
1: I mean like so I, I I have different tiers of anger, right like I mean, kind of talked about how like I, I'm no longer the guy that just will run up and punch people in the mouth but like I I mean I I grew up that way and the younger the younger I was the more I was in that mentality of like violence is the only you know reaction to have to anything that goes wrong in my life till like oh words can be used you know it, it's been it's been a long and slow transition but it it's definitely different and so like now, people say that like i'm getting angry in the conversation cuz like i'll i'll start talking in like a, a steady steady deeper voice and be very concise with what i'm saying which is now mansplaining apparently but i'm just like you no know, i'm i'm telling you a crystal clear version of what is in my head right now this is what's happening and then people are just like, oh, you're just angry. We'll talk when you're not angry. I'm like, no, no, I'm still making sense here because I'm not throwing punches. Like as soon as I start throwing punches, the conversation's over, right? It's it's like that's that's the differentiator there. Like as long as I'm still
0: talking, it's still a conversation. So, all right. Here's what I want to know. Uh, Mike, do you ever get like legitimately mad at work? Hell yeah. How, how like frequently? Is this a normal thing for you?
2: No, um, I think there's like it's usually the the result of like a buildup of of um feeling kind of like overworked or over asked. and it's never the fault of any individual because they don't know that ten other people are needing my attention right now and so usually my frustration has to do with like how like fucking dare you ask me to do this stupid task when i'm already busy doing these 10 other like way more important things and i'll i'll like feel that frustration um right up to the point of like if it's a particularly silly thing and i think like you know i've definitely had thoughts where i'm like that's it i'm done i'm fucking done like i I I'm just not going to answer anybody and I don't care anymore. And then after like an hour of cooling off or whatever, I'll come back and I'll feel like I had overreacted or like I was stupid or something. And it's usually in the mornings cause I'm not a morning person. So if I come into a particularly like high influx of people hitting me up for things, I'll just get super pissed and it'll kind of like ruin my productivity for the day. Um, so, I mean, that's, it's honestly like a personal struggle, I think, to be able to deal with fresh, frusti- and, and again, I'm a PM, so I feel like there are a lot of people that need me, and unlike developers on my team, so I try to protect from distraction, like, the the key to doing that is making myself the distractible one. Like, if you need my team, you, you have to go through me or something, and so sometimes I think the pressure becomes a little, like, I bite off more than I could chew, and I blame in that moment, not like to their faces, but to myself, I blame whoever it is that's trying to talk to me. And I need to like deal with it so that I don't get indignant or angry or lash out in a way that would be inconducive to my career.
0: How, first of all, how many hours do you eat or work? Are you working like regular, regularish hours? Or are you burning pretty hot?
2: <clears throat> I never really track my time. Uh, I basically... Log Like I sit down at my computer right at the crack of 8.30 a.m. for a meeting every morning that if it didn't exist, I'd probably be really bad about whatever time I start. Like I'd probably start work at the earliest moment that I needed to that day. Uh Instead, I I start work at the same time every day because I have like a a check-in meeting akin to this a little bit, you know, just just with some other folks who aren't sharing my project work. So we get to kind of just wake each other up and shoot the shit for a minute. And then I try to log off by 5pm my time, like every single day, Okay. just walk away from my computer. And I haven't that's kind of new, relatively new, like is in the last year. But that to me has been kind of the most healthy is like just keeping my work day to a certain amount of time as far as like the hours in par- in particular that I'm putting in. I mean, it could vary. I may take a, an hour break on a given day if the if my meetings and time allow for it, like I might take some time to decompress. And like, do I make that hour up? Like, Probably somewhere, you know, but I'm not super pedantic about tracking every every hour that I'm spending working.
0: See, that's interesting to me that the main the main uh, the main thing that makes you mad is just getting a lot of stuff to do. Of all the things that I've ever I mean, to be fair, that's that's not what he said at all. No, okay, well, he said when he's working
1: on something important and then other people Mm -hmm. just pile on mundane or less important things that don't need to be done.
2: Yeah, it's like, uh, hey, when I'm busy and someone's like, hey, got a sec, I'm like, sure, what's up? But when 10 people are like, hey, got a sec, at the exact same time, I start feeling like there's collusion or something. Like, how the hell are all of you pulling together to make me miserable right You're now? You're suspicious, and, like me. Yeah. You know, the competing priorities gets me frustrated. So,
0: like, you know, some somebody trying to do something stupid or uh, make a really bad process change or get out of something squirmy or you know being overly aggressive on a call none of that triggers you
2: being overly i mean i guess okay okay here's a here's a specific example i guess like if if two when two people are messaging me about their drama with each other that That can get to me sometimes because I don't like choosing sides and more so I'm just like, can't you just be mature and talk to each other? I mean, if you need a mediator, I can come into the room and I get like I'm a project manager and maybe I'm supposed to help with problems like this and you're all supposed to trust that you can come to me. But sometimes I'm a little disappointed, I guess, when when I'm getting approached by two people with drama that it's like it's like literally drama like watching a tv show with like two people that like were dating you know off and on or whatever and you're just like the 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 dramatic irony where you're like if you just both knew what each other were thinking there wouldn't be a problem because Mm -hmm. neither of you is wrong and you're both right to feel what you're feeling but you're not capable of like communicating as openly with each other as you are with me and if i just Go and tell the other person all of these thoughts that you just shared with me that give me a lot of empathy for your position. I'd be like betraying your trust by doing so. So I feel trapped in that. I can't just be like, listen, you idiots. You both kind of agree with each other. You just don't realize it because you won't talk to one another. And you're both making a ton of assumptions about the other one that aren't true. You know, like, well, they just think such and such, but I talk to the other person. They're like, you know, they probably think I just think this, but it's not true because what I really think and it, it's frustrating to me that the conversation can't just happen. And meanwhile, you know, I have like an, a job to do. Like I have tasks and stuff that I'm trying to take care of. And it feels like a, a kind of couples therapy task that I shouldn't have to deal with if they could be adults and talk to each other. I mean, I
1: I could be guilty of that as a developer. I've definitely like used the PM to filter my words. Otherwise, my words aren't so like safe for work and stuff. Because I mean, that there have been instances where like I'm I'm on a project or somebody with somebody that I, I don't even respect as a human being, let alone a developer. I mean, just reviewing their code is chewing glass. So I mean, so it if you get stuck in those situations and you, you've tried, you know, in the past to like. Be like hey, you should try this. Hey, we use these standards. Hey, we do it like this type of thing, and they just aren't getting it. I I just get fed up and like I'm just like fuck it. I they're worthless to me at that point because I can carry their dead weight, and so like I don't have to talk to them at all. Wait for them to fuck up so bad so that they get fired from their own shit, and then just clean up the mess when they're gone. Is is what my menta- mentality, which is wrong, usually is in those situations.
2: Well, that's the thing. Like I feel like there is a flip side. To what I had just said, which is like, okay, well, let's assume that I wasn't there and they did just have to talk to each other straight up like they might chew each other to pieces like they might destroy the project or destroy the working relationship. And so I, I would want to caveat what I said by saying, like, I'm not advocating for people to stop going to their PMs or whoever they see as the mediator entirely. But the question was like, what gets you frustrated? And that definitely right, gets yeah. me frustrated. And not just every time someone hits me up about a dramatic situation, more particularly it's, it's when I feel like I'm stuck in the middle of something that is fully capable of resolving itself, if they would just open up and maybe it's me feeling inadequate in my ability to like translate between or play the middleman or whatever, and get the thoughts across and heal. cause how do you, it's a frustrating scenario. And so, yeah, that gets to me.
0: Yeah. And it's there's a big thing where I work at Wayfair of uh, assuming best intent, you know, and if if somebody does something that frustrates you or seems stupid or whatever, then like assume try and think of a reason that they did it that actually makes sense, even though that's really hard sometimes. And it's always amazing to me, like how quickly people jump to, oh, they were just being malicious, you know, or they're just an idiot or something. And it's, it can be, like, really hard to intentionally think of something, even if it's just crazy, like, some reason why they did that that actually kind of makes sense and doesn't make them into a bad guy. Well, saying
1: someone else is just the enemy at some point is just easier, right? Like, oh, they're just evil. Like, oh, yeah, that, that's much easier than they might have a reason for sounding like they're being evil, but have a point.
0: yeah. Yeah, and as a manager, it puts you in a weird position of like, because you know, it's it's healthy to let people vent sometimes, but you also want to send them in the direction of making it productive, you know, and like giving actual feedback to the person that needs it and building a relationship instead of just venting about it all the time. Finding that finding that balance is hard. Yeah, I have seen in some projects, well,
1: some projects where like I'll vent someone, and then the cards will be or like similar cards to what we were, I was venting about show up on the next retro. So, like, they're just being proactive. And, I mean, that's just more on their plate. So, not, like, a necess- necessary thing for them or anything. But, like, it's just like, oh, I guess I could have just added them to the board myself at some point.
2: I I have a spicy take, maybe. So, I think that when it comes to working relationship drama or dynamics, the closer the two people having the drama are to one another, like, as as friends, you could say, the harder it is for the mediator to have any impact on the situation. Like if they're strangers and they're both telling me about a problem, I can kind of like influence the team by suggesting a change or an experiment or something that helps to kind of build their like psych safety with one another and start communicating more openly. And since they don't know a ton about each other, they sort of trust me more because they think like, well, Michael knows both of us. So maybe what he's saying has some, you know, some salt, but When it's two people that know each other really well, like if it were the two of you, or I actually have a a couple people in mind from one scenario where it was literally like each of them hitting me up separately being like, listen, I love the guy. I really do. We're great friends. You know, I love him to death would do anything for him, but he's dead wrong here. All right. And he there's there's just no way around it. Like you've got to convince him that he's wrong because he's not going to listen to me. Right. And then I get that from each of them. And then if I try to explain, like, well, you know, maybe he's coming from a place of no, no, you don't know him like I do. All right. He's wrong. Okay. You just need to trust me and you need to go kind of deal with him in that capacity. And just remember what I told you. He's wrong. But you're getting that from both people. Right. And so both of them are like confiding in me, but they don't really, they're not doing it because they trust me. They're doing it to kind of like use me as a tool of force, right? Like they're trying You're to- the exclamation as, point. Yeah, like someone to just go solve the problem, like to back them up selfishly on their perspective, but neither of them really willing to hear either, either each other's perspective or my perspective on the situation because they know each other better than I know either of them. So I think it's way harder, the closer friends people are that have drama, the, the harder it's going to be for you to solve that.
1: Yeah, at that point, do you just fuck with both of them? And just be like, I, I'm going to be as helpful as both of you are right now. They're right. And then you just keep telling them that the other person's right every time you talk to whichever one.
0: That's but a, that's the only message you give them. It's a sound strategy. Yeah, you should try it.
2: You know, I think maybe testing what they're saying as far as like, you know, I really love the guy. Like, we get along together. We're really good friends. Like, maybe that's an indicator to me that, like, I shouldn't put up with this shit. And I should set up a call with the two of them and be like, hey, time for you guys to sort this out and have this conversation. Like we can all have this conversation together. It doesn't need to be done in a back channel. Like we're all mature enough to talk this out right now. And if I have to be the one, you know, if you like, isn't that how mediation works? Is like you both kind of sign away your legal rights ahead of time. And you're like, whatever the mediator says is what we're going to agree to do. And I'm like, I will play mediator for you. That's fine. But we have to have the conversation because neither of you are giving me the power in back channels to actually like influence this situation. Um, That would be maybe a way I'd approach it now i'd probably be brave enough to do that now
0: yeah i mean it's 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 probably not as risky as it seems either too because like i in my in my experience people not being up front to the other person and like going through like through you or whatever instead of just you know talking to them directly it's usually not because talking to them directly wouldn't actually get the job done like it's not like they would end up fighting and never talk again it's usually just that it's really uncomfortable and they don't want to deal with it you know
2: yeah yeah, definitely.
0: Alright, so today is your last day. After how many
2: how many years? Two and a half. But I, I keep telling everyone I feel like twenty twenty should count as like five years. Yeah. All right.
0: <laughs> What's the uh can you think of a all time high and all time low from the past two and a half years at the company?
2: Oh god. Um an all time low, uh, there's there's kind of two. There's kind of two co- well Let's hear them both. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. I'll I'll tell a couple. Right. So like when I first started, I was on a project that was really, really hard and it was something I inherited. It had been around for like five years and it just wasn't kind of going anywhere. Um, it was due to kind of like what I would call an, an impossible goal. Like the goal of the project was not achievable. And so client kept spending money. We kept working at it, but it didn't really seem to have an end in sight. Caused a lot of anxiety for me to the point where I was put on I was put on Zoloft and I was having like panic attacks and stuff. So I call that like kind of my lowest low as far as where I was like mentally. And a very high point was getting off of that project when essentially the client was like, I we're we're done, we're gonna kind of pursue another route and we're just not gonna work with you guys anymore. I remember getting the call. And, uh, I was on a road trip at the time and I got the call kind of being like, Hey, I just want to let you know the projects coming to an end. And it literally, like I felt the literal weight, like I, I didn't, I've heard the term like, Oh, it was such a weight off my chest. Like that's a really common clip, but it was, li- it was a literal feeling of just like, I, I didn't realize that I hadn't caught my breath in six months, you know? Um, so that was like a really high feeling just realizing that, that all bad things do come to an end, you know, it was like realizing that cliche. You know, and, the, and then, so that was really long ago. And in, in more recent history, I mean, I'd say a lowest low was when I really screwed up by being, uh, I thought that I was clever by using a retrospective to kind of bring to light a problem with a timeline. And the client who was at the retro was not happy about that insight. And so instead of us having a retro, the retro basically got thrown out the window and it was just a long kind of scolding fest about, The issue with the timeline that i brought up in the retro and it had like impacts and fallout beyond the scope of that call for a while um it was like it was it was very much a popping of the happy bubble situation where i felt like i could do no wrong because that project was going so well and everybody was getting along so well and i was naive you know in that i didn't realize that there was something looming underneath that could totally blow it all up. And it did. So that was, that was a low point. And I, it, again, it, it just hurt me. It hit me really hard for a while. I had like a ton of, of imposter syndrome feelings there where I was like, Oh my God, I thought I knew what I was doing. And now I feel like I've, I'm a total fuck up and I have no idea what I'm doing. And, um, then a contrasting point to that, another high point is just, uh, one of my most recent projects, um, one one that I'm still on as of, you know, the next couple hours, technically, uh, just the kind of the highlight of my career in general, because I have a team running Scrum pretty much by the book and all like having a blast and getting along. And what I'm seeing in front of me is like the fantasy of of what Agile and Scrum are supposed to be. And I've always thought of it as fantasy, like as like a pipe dream that you work toward. And I've referred to it as like, well, you'll never get there, but it's like a North star and you try to move in that direction. And not to say that that team's perfect, but they're a hell of a lot more perfect than I ever thought was like realistically achievable. So that's been a dream for me and something that now I want. Like, I have a lot of learnings from how that happened and I'm excited to take it somewhere else and do it with one team you know, cause I'm coming from an agency life where I have a bunch of teams that I feel I have to like give my soul and heart to, and it feels like it's never enough. And I'm going somewhere where I have one team to give a hundred percent to, and I'm excited to take all these lessons learned from a bunch of different teams and projects and focus it all on one team that I can love and care about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's been my f- absolute favorite thing about going from an agency to a product company. It's just like having the same team for, you know, so far, it's been like five months. And with the promise of, however many more years you know like because it's so hard to, to gel a team in four months and then the team breaks up and then another team yep. comes along and you have to start from scratch and just knowing that you have this much time it opens up so much possibility you can slow play stuff that you can't normally slow play at an agency
2: right and it's not like it's not like working in-house is perfect and like there won't be staffing issues once in a while or like your staff won't get distracted by something external or like money won't ever matter again or like There isn't ever a contract that's going to impact you. But I think just like you were saying, that contract-to-contract kind of lifestyle where you're just kind of going through the storming, forming, norming process multiple times a year, is it's just exhausting. Like I, I got my first gray hair this year. It was like right here on the side of my face. <laughs> I shaved it off so I can't show you, but my wife found it. And I was just like, wow, that's insane. Um, I'm really excited to be on a team that... If, if not for some crazy extraneous factors, we'll likely stick together for a good long time. You know, there's not some contract for some period of months that'll be ending. It's like, no, we're going to be supporting this product, hopefully for like ever, right? Like hopefully this business stays a business and we do a great job. And if we do a great job, this team stays together. Unlike I'd say in an agency world, where like if you do a great job, you still end. Like you, you do a great yeah. job and you finish it, the team still comes to an end.
1: What would you? Do you have any fears? Well, I, I was gonna ask. Do you have any fears of of the opposite of like, well, not the opposite, but like going to, you know, the one team that you're supposed to integrate with for the foreseeable future, and then you just don't fit, or they, like, suck There's or one person, or or there's one person that has like crazy amount of seniority that that's just an asshole that doesn't like anything that you bring to the table and just contradicts you the whole time. Like, do you have any of those types of fears or like plans to? so that stifle those
2: that's a that's a good question. um I wanna say no, and that's because I've already seen all of that, like I've seen every one of those throughout my my tenure at an agency, it's like I've seen almost every kind of relationship I feel like you can see. And it's not that I'm as experienced as those who've done it for seven or 10 years, but even in two and a half years, I feel like I've experienced a crazy broad spectrum of stakeholders and types of teams and team dynamics. And I've got this like massive toolbox from all of that, that like whatever I walk into, I'm sure I'll have seen in some flavor, you know, before, like, I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll have seen it ish and there'll be something I can do about it. And I tend to get along pretty well, even with people that I think I, rec- I like really disagree with. Um, I try to, in fact, like, I try to make friends with them kind of first, if that makes sense, like give them a little extra love and get a little closer and try to build a little bit of empathy there. Um, so no, I don't, I don't think I'm really afraid of that. I think what I'm more afraid of is, uh, The fact that i've never worked for a startup before and i haven't dealt with um pressures coming from outside the company like like funders or investors or or anything like that and how those dynamics could kind of make their way down like maybe if my ceo loves me that's awesome but doesn't matter as much if the investors aren't happy with the work that we're doing or, you know, like, I don't know anything about that dynamic. I know how to run a team and I'm really excited about that part of it, but I'm interested to find out what it's like working at a startup when things may be, I don't know, beyond the control, even of, of the CEO in certain cases. I don't know that to be the case because I haven't worked there yet, but that those are just like, I've heard stories about startup life. And I'm like, well, what kind of startup life is it going to be like? And that's, I think what I'm most Um. nervous about.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious what startup life is like now, especially with like how, you know, 2021 is and how 2020 went and all of that. Cause there has been like changes in the workplace, especially in our industry, like huge changes. Um, I mean, like I, I did a small startup before phase two, and that was eight years ago now, but it was just like deliver. That, that was like the one rule, right? It's just like, don't miss a deadline. Just if we ask for something, deliver it. So it's just kind of that, that sort of mentality. But, um, yeah who knows now right like i, I doubt you'll be working 80 hour a week unless something is very very wrong or i would assume
0: yeah i why, hope so why why do investors like to me based on that description investors just sound like another type of client right you know like they're the people that are paying you well, that you got to keep them happy
1: i i actually don't you're know what right. you're the where you're going or anything but the investors usually have very little input in what what you're putting out Usually you've already sold them the product that you're building or your vision that you're building and they're just like, yeah, here's the money to build it. And then you just give them checkpoints back or like benchmarks.
2: Yeah, I think the 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 worry to me is just that it's the unknown. Like I don't really have anything specific that I'm anticipating investors to to be like. Uh, and And I think you're probably right, Critter. It's probably got a lot. It's probably a lot like dealing with any kind of stakeholders. Um, that anybody that has, that's why it's called a stakeholder is like they have a stake, uh, regardless of how, how they have their stake. And I've dealt with a lot of different kinds of stakeholders. I've dealt with client stakeholders. I've dealt with internal stakeholders. Um, I think even teams, team members hold a certain stake in whatever it is you're doing. So like, yeah, I'm surrounded by stakeholders. This will just be another kind. And who knows, maybe I won't interact. Like maybe nothing that ever comes out of an investor's mouth will ever manifest to me. Like maybe it'll never matter. And there's enough like kind of shields or whatever in place through upper management to handle those sort of things. Um I think for me it comes from hearing talk from clients I've spoken with in the past that are kind of like, well, you know, If it were up to me, we'd such and such, but our investors really want to see like X, Y, and Z. And I think my fear is that like, I'll have a good relationship with my immediate upper management and I'll be able to convince them that What that the direction I want to go as a product manager is the direction we should go, but that I'll get like vetoed by some such and such investor that doesn't know shit about what we're doing, but just is throwing their weight around with their money and, you know, giving us a a grocery list of stuff that they want. I think, and and maybe that's an unfounded fear, but I think that's where it comes from.
0: I mean, I think whether or not it's unfounded, I think it's probably not nowhere near as frustrating it is to deal with a client who has their own opinions that, you know, are not the best way to go, but like, it's their baby, you know, it's their vision. They're the ones with the contract. So you, you actually have to do what they say.
2: Oh, that's true. Like, I think and you've been you just there. Made, you made me think of something else that I'm really looking forward to, which is this kind of consolidation of loyalty in a way. Like right now, I feel like my loyalty is so split because I have, if you were to ask people that work with me, they'd say like, man, this guy is really tight with his clients. And I am like, I build really close relationships with my clients and I I run into, I wouldn't say like conflicts of loyalty, but my loyalties make me deal with conflicting situations. Like I feel loyal to the client. I feel loyal to the team and I feel loyal to the agency that I'm working for. And so between those three, some there are some scenarios where those loyalties are like juxtaposed, right? And I have to figure out what's... I try to find a solution that's best for everybody, which sometimes like isn't the case or you've got to give into... It just, it kind of tears me apart because I feel like I'm just a loyal person. So if I have to like let somebody down for sake of a higher order of loyalty elsewhere, it really tears me up. So going to a startup working in house and now instead of having three loyalties feeling like i only have two loyalties like i have loyalty to the team and loyalty to the company and i th- and my job really is i think aligning those two like aligning the team and the company like i th- i think that i can definitely manage those loyalties a lot better um, so that's something that I'm just looking forward to is not having this line between myself and the work I'm doing and the teams I'm working with and clients and having this awkward kind of relationship where I want to be close to you, but I have to keep you at a certain arm's length in certain situations.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I hear you. I hear you a lot on that. Like there is a situation this week that I can't talk about the details of it, but there's a, a company wide change that's being announced that is not very popular. And I can either take it one of two ways. I can agree with all the people that I manage that it kind of sucks for them, you know, and and be one of them at at the price of their opinion of the company. Or I can try really hard to find a way for this to be positive and like actually be bought into the why. Because, you know, like the extreme ownership talks about that a lot of like a leader needs to fully understand and, and like, believe in the reason that things are being done otherwise they're just carrying out orders and they have no no passion but you're not that. a leader but i'm a manager yeah that's we talked about that yeah we talked about that yeah but uh, all right so a manager has to whatever whatever word you want to use uh yeah and i don't know oh, so now they're the same thing jace don't make me mute you i have the power i think <laughs> just say i have the power
2: probably I the you power. probably
0: kick me i can kick you yeah that would be a pain though but anyway yeah the point is uh it, it, it's really tough you know knowing uh trying to figure out if it's if it's in everybody's best interest for you to to believe in it and come at it from that point of view or just be like yeah this sucks i know you know like i'm sorry it's just the way things are
1: i don't know i i can i can have buy-in without emotion tapped to it or attached to it rather like i I can have buy-in on a project and not give a shit about the client like I, I can definitely do that and still hit every deadline and help whoever needs help and still be engaged and present a hundred percent. Why does that care. come
2: from? Why Why do you, how do you care without caring?
1: Because I, well, I mean, we, we've kind of talked about this in the past two, I mean, Critter, but it, it's like my reputation coming into, especially phase two was, was based off of how I perform. Like, I mean, Critter, Talked to me probably the first workday ever. And then the very next day I did something in Drupal. I I like did panels in Drupal. do it for the glory. Not, not necessarily the glory, but like I just want a reputation that I no longer have to actively support, if that makes sense. Like I, if my reputation precedes me, everybody knows I'm going to get the job done. I no longer have to do the dog and pony show of like, yeah, sure. I'll definitely have that done next week. It's like, all right, Jason's going to do this. Jesus, we're just going to leave him alone
0: for a little bit you're you're talking about two totally different things though like what i'm saying is imagine if you were a tech lead and uh and the client came to you and said i want to do x and you think x is really stupid but you know it's your job to make sure it gets done
1: yeah i would still do it
0: yeah but no i'm talking about like how do you present that to the people on your team that have to carry it out if i was a tech lead
1: i would just be like we're doing this
0: yeah but everybody be like why that's so stupid because the client said so and they pay our bills that that's ah.
1: literally the motivation like see
0: that's my point so so you you you're not concerned with helping everyone else buy into it you just want to make sure it gets done because you don't believe no in because it i
1: i well i believe that it's everybody's individual responsibility to figure out their own buy-in buying is different for me than anyone else clearly i just said it like you you don't have the same buy-in mike doesn't have the same buy-in as i do like I can attach myself to things and have buy ins to get it done and not think about it a second after five
0: PM. Like I, I can do that. I choose not to for various reasons, but So you don't care. Like it's up to it's it's up to everyone on the team to decide for themselves if they're into it or not.
1: Yeah. I I mean it's up to every individual to have buy in on a project, end of story. I mean like if It goes back to the old conversations of, like, you know, the quiet ones that never speak up. But, like, if you never get your opinion out there and then at some point you're angry because your opinion's never heard, that's still only your fault. Like, there's other forms of communication other than speaking in the middle of a meeting that we do day in and day out. Like, there's other ways to get around it. There's workarounds for damn near everything. There's no reason... An individual on the team can't ha- be responsible for their own input uh, to the project or client or whatever.
0: But I mean, like, don't you believe in the power of inspiration, like uh, leaders that inspire, leaders that make people want to follow, stuff like that?
1: I believe they exist, but they're not in every project. They're not They're not on every team. They're not in every company. They're not like they're, there's droughts of them. Seriously, there are droughts of them.
2: So am I following Jason? Like, you're not saying that it's not valuable and that it doesn't exist, but you're saying like, as an engineer, I can't depend on that shit. Like I can't depend on exactly, somebody yeah. to come in and rally the troops and inspire us to get the job done because I'm not always going to get that. So if I want to be successful in my career, I've got to be able to self-motivate, even if I think the task sucks. Right.
1: Well, and, uh, and it comes back to, I, I, I am I truly believe that everything falls onto the developers' heads. Like If if we miss a deadline, if something doesn't get launched, if something isn't done, if something bad happens in the contract,
2: developers are the ones who always have to come up with the answers. I'm glad you brought that up because I thought that when I started my career as a project manager and I saw it all around me, right? It was like, I think that even if it's not intentional, I think that there are ways of putting the responsibility in developers' hands like well, when are we really going to get to that deadline like give me a give me a straight up estimate in in knowing that some tasks are not straight up estimable like it's not an exact right. science to estimate things and I felt like for me the magic if i if there was any magic to my success in my role because I didn't feel like I was a super astute PM who was like great with all the numbers and could see the future. Like no one is, but I think the reason why the reason behind any compliment I have received in my style or ways of working is that I promise my teams that I will eat a hundred percent of the shit as their PM. So it's like, I, I play the the straight up shit umbrella and I'm like, this will not fall back on you because I need to trust you fully and I need you to do what you think is right to get this project done. And if it doesn't work out, I'll eat all the shit, not you. And I've never right. had to. But
1: but that's also far and few between, right? Like people, even PMs with that mentality. And I think our company, it's it's more common in that role for people to to do that because that's mm-hmm. just, we have really good PMs in our company. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is like when you're working at agency, the projects don't always have, you know, our company's PMs, running them, controlling them, helping, oh, great you point. Know, Yeah, things running all the way down straight to the devs. Like, I mean, just in my current situation, we answer for almost everything.
2: So are you suggesting Critter, that if you are self-aware enough, as an engineer and you find yourself in a position where you have no good inspiring leader that you should try to step up and be that person?
0: No, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about the engineers. Engineers can figure it out for themselves. My, <laughs> point, is, my point is, my point is that a leader has a certain amount of responsibility to at least try to uh, buy in and show that they're bought in. Because I, I think a leader that just says, we're doing this, I know it's stupid, just do it. And I don't think that's much of a leader.
2: So I don't think that you and Jace are really disagreeing. I mean, it sounds like you're saying what a good leader should do. And Jace is saying that you don't always get a good leader, so you got to survive regardless. And Right, but, yeah, yeah. But I, I agree, Critter. So like to dive into your point a little bit more, Critter, is like, Inspiration and buy-in and all of that is important, and I at least to me. And if you are so, if I'm in a position where I'm being asked by a stakeholder to make the team do a thing, even though I think it's stupid, the team thinks it's stupid, and let's just assume to get rid of all the other advice you could give, let's just assume that I've already gone through all the steps of trying to like line with goals and say that this task doesn't meet with the goal like let's just assume that all of that's been exhausted and an executive decision's been made and i've got to get the team to do the thing i share more than i think some pms do with the team like if it's not if it's not buy-in to the task it's like empathy for their pm that they love it's like listen team i've gone through this i've done this i try to explain this like i get a little empathy i'm like I've done all the things to try to defend this team. I've been overruled. Here's how it's going to impact us if we don't do it. And what do you say? You know, you ready to save a PM's life? Because that's what you'll be doing. You know, and well, I think that, like that's my last resort. Is I I get them to save me,
1: right? And and that's that's where the buy-in comes in. Because I mean, that would even catch someone like me. It, especially someone like me who's like, okay, if if somebody on the team is going to suffer greatly then that's where i'll step in and be like no i need to you know mitigate that damage in some way shape or form
2: but that has to come with the precursor of my team giving a shit about me right like i can't just nope. walk into a new team well, and be like hey guys do this for me I, and they'll be like hey, the fuck are you man
1: i would do it for anybody that wears the same banner as me that that's the that's the thing right so like we're, we're all we were all under the same company mm-hmm. agency or whatever that's fair it's just something I would cover, even if I didn't have respect for you as a human being, because I fucking done this before. It's still, I would still pull you out of that and save you from being sad or hurt or whatever, and then go back to ignoring you 90% of the time. Like, it, it would just be like, all right, here, this is how you get out of this issue. Let's move on.
0: I feel like I feel like that's not super common, though. I think that that's a jacism. Like, I mean, I think that's a great What's that th- that that amount of loyalty to the company that you work for. I think that most people are very loyal to to their teams or the you know the people that they work with and respect but to the company as a whole I think that that's for one it takes a long time to build that and for two it's just you know I don't know well, I don't think that's very common so
1: it's not necessarily like a loyalty or even a love for for the company as a brand but it's I've already agreed to spending x amount of months years on this project with these people to do this thing and if one person Or one smaller group of people is going. Well, our lives are ruined for like the next month because I can't figure anything out and I just have to bang my head against this wall. I'm I'm going to try to help. Like, why? Why wouldn't I try to help? I can do my daily tasks very easily. I mean, like, it's we've talked about this before. Is like, it's just a day to day type of task for me. So then I can still reach out and help other people even if it's just for them to be or for me to be a sounding board and them just throwing ideas at me until you know something sticks or makes sense or any of that like we are in it all together like if you're on a project we're we're in it together
0: yeah if you're on a project yeah but i think a project team is different from the company as a whole
1: well so specifically like yeah i guess i guess people on the project from the same company, I, I definitely will reach out more and go above and beyond more than, say, like, a client developer or something. Just like, uh, no, yeah, after
0: hours, text me later. We're at, we're at the hour mark. Do either of y'all need to run? Or can we stay a couple yeah, minutes? Yeah, I'm, to to I'm
2: cutting into my exit interview. That's oh, that's damn. a big one. How All right, Mike. How fun
0: was that? It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining you us. You guys buddy. are awesome. Thank I you, hope Mike. You
2: have me back sometime. Yeah. Yeah, next, we will. Uh, next week. We <laughs> got... <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: We got organized like the the guest list now thing. Yeah, we'll figure that, it all out. Under control.
0: All right. Enjoy the rest of your last day.
2: Yeah. Thanks. So much. Take
0: care. See ya. Take care. I think you can still hear us. Is he still on clean feed? No, he left. Sadly. Ah, damn it. He left quick. I know that would. I wish he would have like piped us into his exit interview.
1: You would love to be piped by Mike White, wouldn't you? <laughs>